cover all time zones on Power Hour. (laughs) Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Power Hour. We are so glad to be here with you this Thursday morning, wherever you're tuning in from. So if you're in the Pacific, it's 7 a.m., it's 10 a.m. Eastern over in the UK. John, what time is it out there? It's three o'clock here in the afternoon. <laughs> it's three. <laughs> anyway, if you're joining us, please let us know in the chat. We would love to see where you're tuning in from, whether it's here on LinkedIn or over on uh, Facebook or YouTube. We are so glad that you're here with us. And if you are, then you are interested in getting the needle moving in business and in life. And today we have a really special guest with us all the way from South Wales, John Esperian, one of our favorite people on LinkedIn and an incredible coach and uh, an author himself. So before we get into that and dive into an amazing conversation this morning about the inner workings of LinkedIn and how you can make it work for you, I want us to go around and introduce ourselves so we can reacquaint with our Power Hour crew. So I'm Claire Davis, I run Traction Resume, and I help sales leaders get jobs that they absolutely love and make more money with resumes and interview prep. So good morning, Matt, how are you doing? Would you mind introducing yourself? Good morning. Thank you so much, Claire. Yeah, I'm excited about our conversation this morning. So as many of you know, my name is Matt Zahn. I am a story strategist. So I show leaders how to persuade with power through the art of strategic storytelling. And I'm excited about today because storytelling can be used in LinkedIn uh, a lot. So we could kind of dive into that. I primarily focus on story strategy in workshops and one-on-one coaching. I will kick it over to you, Aaron. Hey, good morning, everybody. Erin here. I run uh, Muscle Creative. So I connect with um, small businesses and medium businesses and teach them how to write copy that um, sounds like them. (laughs) So not like a robot. And so I do that through um, one-on-one sessions and through my monthly membership. I too am so excited to hear um, from John um, as there's so much to do uh, with LinkedIn when you're trying to connect and grow your audience. And I love that he does it in an organic way. Um, and so it keeps um, dollars in your pocket, uh, which I'm all about. So um, I can't wait to hear from John. Um, Dan, good morning. How are you? I am well. Well, actually, I'm not well. I'm sick. I woke up sick this morning. <laughs> My power went out 10 minutes before the show started. So, but I was like, you know what? I have to make it. I have to be here because we're once again talking about my favorite topic and I can't miss it. I can't miss out on John being here. Um, and I, I swear I haven't been influencing everyone. Like we've been talking about LinkedIn a lot. It, it's not on me. It's not on me all the time. It's not it's true. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, our... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, um, so, I'm so glad that you guys are with us. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining. Even though you're not feeling well, I'm so grateful yeah. for all of you here. And if I may, John, you are also one of my favorite people on this platform who I've met, especially here in the last year. And I think the first thing that drew me to you is that, well, first, you are a self-proclaimed LinkedIn nerd, which we all can relate to. We love that. But you're also relentlessly helpful. And I know that for myself because on every Friday, you celebrate somebody else doing great things on this platform. And I think that that is something that is really special and unique about you and something that the world and social media needs more of. So I love um, your Friday shout group on Fridays. And also you have incredible tips in your email. So I don't wanna spill the tea on everything. So I'll let you introduce yourself, but can you um, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're doing and who you are and who you help? Absolutely. Thank you, Claire. Thanks, everyone. I feel a bit intimidated being among a load of copywriters here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, let's focus on the LinkedIn stuff. So I'm John Asperian. I am a B2B content creator. Um, I, I call myself a LinkedIn nerd because about four years ago, uh, I was trying to find more clients. Uh, I couldn't say who my existing clients were. So I thought, let me dive into LinkedIn and explain how LinkedIn works to show people that I can explain how stuff works. And that has has stayed with me for the last four years and I've learned more and more about the platform. And now I help people rewrite their LinkedIn profiles and give them tips on how to get more visibility for their business, whatever that business might be. So um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I call myself relentlessly helpful. I'm trying to live, it, live up to that promise as much as I can. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to uh, fire away with whatever LinkedIn questions you've got and let's get stuck in. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited to chat more about this. You know what, you're right, Dan, this does tend to be a topic of ours often. And it's, you know, it's no, um, it's no accident, because LinkedIn is really one of the last organic reach social media platforms that there is, you know, and so what I really love are the uh, ideas that you bring, John, and the insight that you bring for people who don't necessarily want to pay for LinkedIn, but still want to be really active and effective on the channel for their career and their business. So um, really excited to dive in today. And good morning to everybody joining us. Tatiana over there from South Florida, Josh, Kathy. Oh, hey, Seth, Steve, Brian, Adam. It's a full house today. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. And please feel free to pop your questions in the chat for us and for John while we've got him here for the next 30 minutes. So, so John, can you tell us sort of something, uh, touching a little bit on what we were talking about backstage. Can anybody really know the secrets of the LinkedIn algorithm? Is it something that, you know, we can know for sure at any point in time? No, I don't think there is. LinkedIn themselves have said that there are multiple algorithms at play. There's an algorithm for desktop. There's an algorithm for mobile. There are se several sub-algorithms within those, and they're testing new and different things every day. Uh, and mm -hmm. so even if you could try and crack the code today, that, that says nothing about what's going to happen tomorrow. So I always start by giving people just general best practices, you know, just treat people like human beings. So for example, yeah. when you want to invite someone to connect, maybe send them a message instead of just putting a business card straight in their hand and hoping mm -hmm. that they're going to pay attention to you. That is going to beat an algorithm any day of the week because that is <clears throat> an action. So I treat LinkedIn as a big business room act as human as you can in that room and and that will trump anything that the algorithm is doing but when we get into yeah. fine details i mean there's constant testing that i do to try and work out what best practice is but i always tell people you've got to test yourself ideally to see what works for you and your audience rather than taking anything as gospel from someone else and and anyone who tries to say they've got all the secrets is 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 woefully misguided or a liar so just be careful with who you try <laughs> so john i don't know if you're a hugger but if you are and we were together i'd be hugging you right now because <laughs> please everybody just be human oh my gosh you know what i i think and john taught me already i already learning from this guy um yesterday when i messaged him for the first time <clears throat> an automated message came back with like a tip and I was like, this is amazing. How did you do that? And he told me. Um, and now I think I'm going to use that tip as like, uh, or at least like when people uh, do that, when they give me their business card, as soon as they connect with me, I'm going to be like, if we were at a networking, because we've talked about this before in Power Hour, if we were at a networking event, would you just come up to me and start pitching me immediately? <laughs> like, no. So just be human. So thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're welcome. That that um, that away message that you receive from me, Erin, actually is is one of the few benefits I get from being on LinkedIn Premium. I only upgraded my account recently. I got to about thirty two, thirty three thousand followers without paying LinkedIn a penny. Wow. So it definitely can be done, and all of my tips are focused on people who who don't want to pay LinkedIn and they don't want to place ads. They don't want to pay LinkedIn a monthly fee, and you can get success, but that it's really important to do the things that I talk about in, in content DNA, which is you've got to get this clear brand identity, which all you guys as copywriters know the importance of, of standing for something, mm-hmm. telling your story, being, you know, memorable for one thing um, and just turning up for long enough. So like I dived into LinkedIn 2017, nothing happened for the first nine months. And I was going hard on this thing. Nothing yeah. was and it's like four years since then and now i've got like thirty-seven thousand followers brilliant it's working for me now but it's that's anyone who finds me now will think oh well he, he this guy's successful this is a maybe some overnight success story it isn't mm-hmm. and it was and it isn't for anyone so you just got to do this stuff for the long term and, and that's that's the secret to success and if you can if you can be as personal as you can in your communications you know, like like we DM'd yesterday, Erin. I, I try and do that with everyone. It's it's a lot of work, but it just makes me memorable. And if if you're memorable, you've got a chance of being someone's favorite, mm-hmm. and then you get mm-hmm. memorable and having amazing avatars. By the way, <laughs> have you guys seen John's avatars? They're so good. <laughs> so good. I got one on my mug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I use the, the the free Bitmoji.com service. So that's a free app. You can get it on your phone, and then you can yeah. you can plug it into Google Chrome. It just adds okay. a lot of personality to my content, and mm-hmm. you know, people say, "How did you draw that so quickly?" It's like this is a free <laughs> service. I didn't. <laughs> they have so many good ones too, and there's so many that I scroll through, and I'm like, "Oh, I need to figure out a way to yeah. use that one." <laughs> you know? um, so, John, when people first come to you, um, how do you start them out? You know, do you kind of is the first thing you do is look at look at their LinkedIn profile, or do they come with you to you for specific things, or how does that work? Yeah, well, if someone's coming for me for a profile rewrite, I'll always try and start with a half-hour Zoom call mm-hmm. and say, you know, what, what are you all about? What are you trying to achieve? What do you want to be known for? And who are you trying to speak to? This is this is kind of copywriting 101, you know, what do you want to be known for? And who is the audience you're most trying to influence? Once I get that impression from people, then I go <laughs> away and try and rewrite their, their headline and their about statement. I mean, LinkedIn profile's got lots of components, but actually the headline and the about statement those are the things you've really got to get right. You've got to get all the other fields filled in, otherwise LinkedIn won't won't list you as an all-star profile. But those are the two fields I think are most likely to be able to sell your value proposition best. Once you've got that nailed, then you can go out and start commenting on other people's stuff and pulling people back into your profile. But if you don't have your home base sorted, you know, like all the great content and all the great commenting in the world you're pulling people to a crappy front shop front then mm-hmm. you've got to get your shop front right get your product right and then go out <laughs> to the world so so getting the about and the, and the headline sorted uh, is is really important and uh, that comes about through consultation and then a bit of a bit of playing with the words to get the right messages into the spaces you've got I think that's such a such a great point, John. And I think, you know, you even said that <clears throat> we've all gone through this too, right? In the beginning, when you start, you may not, not might not necessarily know, like, all right, who is my ideal audience? Who am I after? Who do I want to actually speak to and, um, and and attempt to help here? And I know you you, you asked a couple good questions there. And it's, 
it can be a lot, it can be very difficult for people to kind of go through that exercise. So like, what was, you know, when, when people kind of answer you those baseline, the, like they answer on a baseline, right? Like here, here's how I originally think of that. Uh, what questions do you ask them to kind of dig deeper into that point to really kind of find, help them find their true selves and like well, un yeah. uncover? I, I think it comes down to, to working out who the, who the smallest viable audience will be. And, and, and try and be as specific about that as you can. Because a lot of people will come to me and say, well, you know, I'm trying to appeal to men. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there are a lot of men. <laughs> Just you people. Know, <laughs> so you need to be ultra specific and you need to be, you need to be brave enough to know that your message is going to turn some people away. Because the last thing you want, the last thing you want is to be vanilla, middle, middle of the road, not offending anyone you've got to yeah. be for someone which means that you've got to not be for a lot of other people as well and you've got to be brave enough and sometimes I, I need to convey that to people you know you're not leaving money on the table by excluding people you're possibly going narrow and deep and, and getting a lot more income from the people who become your super fan so it's getting that across to people but in terms of what you stand for i mean that that comes from a lot of in, introspection you know speaking to your friends your family your best customers looking at what people say in your email inbox what what are the things that are really true for you so when i came i mean i came up with relentlessly helpful as a complete accident while i was on stage once and being asked an unscripted question and it just came out of my mouth and here i am 4 years later and i'm still using it but, but the, the book talks about more about how you can try and develop that because once you've got an identity that you're happy with, that you can go to bed at night thinking, this is really me, that's the thing that you want to hammer home every single time you show up so that when you're in comments, when you're in posts, when you're on your LinkedIn profile, when you write your email signatures, when you write your invoices, your web copy, your YouTube video scripts, everything punches with that message. And, and, mm -hmm. and that repetition really gets in people's minds. And that's how... I think that's how you build a brand. I really like that you mentioned the repetition piece because a lot of times, you know, the the follower count can be intimidating, right? You look at somebody who's been on the platform for a few years consistently and they've got, like you said, you know, 30,000, 50,000, 10,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, some people think, oh, could I ever really get there? Could I, you know, I mean, how on earth, what is that secret? But really, you know, the consistency and showing up with that, brand over and over that people can remember is really the key. And I just read something recently that, you know, 10 years ago, there was the rule of six. Once you hear a, an advertising or a marketing message or a certain kind of branding six times, then it starts to sink in. But now it's actually closer to like 32. Like it's like almost 32 times we have to hear something because we're seeing 5,000 advertising messages a day. So it's really interesting and um, that you bring that up because I think that's that's really the key. You know, there's no get rich quick solution on LinkedIn, right? It's it's that coming back and knowing your brand and re reliving it every day so that it becomes recognizable and it becomes familiar, right? Familiar and consistent. Yeah. Uh, so I think building a large audience is is great for visibility, not necessarily because of direct customers, but because of people who know people who might become customers of yours. And the bigger your reach through the LinkedIn network, the more chances you've got of getting to those people. I try and tell people that maybe if you've got your profile sorted, then maybe one or two percent of the people who visit your profile will ultimately become your customers. Now, if you've got a low value product that you're selling as part of your suite, 
that that can turn into a lot of business. So I've got a low value mm -hmm. product, which is like a ten pound book, about fifteen dollar book, let's say. So it's in my interest to try and get my message out to as many people as possible because I can skim a lot of income off those people buying that low value pro product. But the really high high value stuff comes from conversations and that often happens in dms and that's the things i can't i can't really demonstrate that to people because you know there's privacy involved but i get into deep long conversations that have no sales component to them i'm just trying to demonstrate my brand value of being relentlessly helpful and help people as much as i can so that when the time comes that i'll be their person of choice and that's the thing that i want you to try and focus on in terms of building if you're going to measure any statistic on linkedin i, I measure loads of statistics but the most important one i think is how many profile views you get and if you have a way of measuring it how many dm conversations you can get into and, and you know i i get into I mean, dozens of those every day. It's a lot of effort, but it really means that I'm really closely connected with the people in my network. Um, mm -hmm. That's my business. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, John. So let's let's just dive into the importance for a second. So a lot of the clients that I work with are high achievers. They're extremely ambitious people, mm -hmm. and they will do anything regarding sales and marketing to get their message out with the exception of social media. So a lot of them are using very archaic marketing and sales practices. And again, they're unbelievably hardworking people. So when I mentioned LinkedIn to them, it's like revelation knowledge. They view LinkedIn as a glorified resume. So they have never even thought of putting content on LinkedIn. So to tell someone like that, that's going to tons of networking events, that it, they're making cold calls left and right. Just think of like very 1990 type sales and marketing. What would you say to them regarding LinkedIn and the power, the importance of it, and the amount of business one can land by shifting their focus yeah. onto this platform versus what they're currently doing. Yeah, so th so this is a mindset change. So people have got to go from this is a place to host your resume to this is a fully-fledged social media network. And then you get, you get them in the mind of thinking, well, you might have paid for an opportunity to stand on stage and speak in front of 300 people. How much would you pay to stand on stage and speak to potentially, I don't know, 10,000 people and give your message and you can give your message for free as often as you want with massive potential for the people who are interested in your service to be there listening. How much would you pay mm -hmm. for that? So once you once they get that, then that kind of changes the conversation. And then it's a case of getting them to turn up regularly enough to create content. Now, the great thing about LinkedIn's algorithm is that posts on LinkedIn have a long shelf life. So a post that's made today might still be trending, you know, in, in three days time, which is very unlikely on a platform like Twitter. So, so organic reach potential is high. Shelf life is high, which means that you don't need to create that much content to get good visibility. Uh, and I recommend, you know, people who are starting out on LinkedIn, maybe one or two posts a week is fine. Even if you're mm -hmm. highly active, you can probably get away with about five posts a week. And that's highly active. What's really important for getting deep visibility with your second and third level connections, who are your potential customers in the waiting, is to make sure that you have a comment strategy. So you go out and find relevant conversations on other thought leaders in your field or in other satellite related industries. And especially if you can find someone who's highly active with a large following already. And if you can time your comments so that that post that they've made is relevant to you, you've got something interesting to say, and there aren't already lots of comments there, 
you put down something that's supportive, knowledgeable, demonstrates your experience, and you have exposure potential that is incredible. You will get through to lots of people who will never have heard of you before. They'll suddenly see your comment in the feed and they'll go, wow, who's that? We've got to go and follow that guy. Uh, and I've had loads of connection requests off the back of that kind of approach saying, I saw you on so-and-so's post and I'd really like to connect. And of course, a proportion of those will turn into customers. So a, a commenting strategy, even from a standing start, you know, you've got zero followers, zero visibility. That is by far the fastest way to build your reputation, build your brand and get involved in interesting conversations. And the extra benefit it gives you is when you see something blow up in the comments that you've made somewhere else, you know what's going to work if you put that on your own feed. So, so commenting is a great sandbox for testing ideas that you know will fly on your own feed. I think that's, I'm so glad oh, you brought that up that. because we had uh, Rachel Simon on last week and that was that was the nice. homework that she assigned uh, yeah. for the audience. So um, raise your hand in chat if you were able to actually do your homework, if you started you know, commenting on other you know, thought leaders, other you know, people in your tribe this week and, and how, it, how, it, how it impacted your content, your engagement, um, let us know. We, we'd love to get that feedback. Um, John, I know that the the way that I manage this, the way that uh, Rachel manages this, uh, we do it kind of you know very similar thing, but we we kind of like manage the people that we want to engage with a little bit differently. What's your strategy for like managing your your tribe, your 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 like pocket of influencers that you want to regularly be engaged with? Okay, so so I mean I, I've got a lot of connections, and so there's no way that I can be expected to engage with all of them, right? It's just not. It's not physically possible for me to do. So what I do is I look very carefully at my followers and following screen. These are two screens that a lot of people don't know exist. So if you go into your LinkedIn profile, you'll see your follower count there. If you click on that, you'll see all of the people who follow you. But there's also a tab on that screen that says following, which is all of the people that you're following, which by default will be all the people you're connected to because there's a one-to-one -one relationship there. But you don't need to stay following all the people you're connected to. You can unfollow people whose content isn't inspiring you. Mm -hmm. That radically reduces the number of people whose content gets referred into your feed. So that helps the LinkedIn algorithm make better choices about what it shows you. Um, and, and another thing that you can do as well is you can bookmark the feeds of the people who are really right at the top of your list whose content you don't want to miss. Because I've done a previous test where I found that even someone I engage with a lot and who I DM and I comment on their stuff and all that stuff, I was, I was seeing only about 60% of this person's content despite doing all of those good things. So actually the only way of being sure of cutting through the algorithm's decision-making process is to go and bookmark someone's feed. And that way, you know that you've got someone to, to go and follow up on. Uh, and maybe you nominate, like, let's say, your favorite 10 people so that you definitely don't miss their content. And the way I make decisions about who yeah. I follow is, uh, I think I call it this, the three E. So do, do they educate me? Do they entertain me? Or do I do enterprise with them? So if it's a client, if, if it's any of those three, I'll stay following them. If it's anyone else, I'm probably going to unfollow them because there's just too much noise in my feed otherwise. And those are the people whose content I tend to engage in as much as I can. That's awesome. I love that, that strategy. Um, John, I have a couple questions here in the chat, if you don't mind. Um, one, Steve's mm -hmm. talking a little bit about um, his, his posting strategy, he says this week, earlier this week, he put up two posts. The first was an organic text post and mm -hmm. the other was a poll. As of yeah. this morning, the poll had about 50,000 and a half views, 2,100 mm -hmm. votes and 110 replies and 43 likes. Whereas the organic text reply, which had a few of us comment on it as well, 
um, it just so happens, only had 100 views, three likes and two replies, but they were both posted within a few minutes of each other. So he's kind of wondering and grappling with, you know, the effects of each kind of post. Right. Can you talk a little okay. bit about that? Sure. So there's a couple of things here. So at the moment, LinkedIn is, is applying some kind of artificial boost to polls. There's no doubt about that. I tested that recently mm -hmm. where I consciously avoided all polls. I didn't like any of them. I didn't read any of them, didn't interact. And they kept showing up in my feed. So that means oh, that the algorithm was not responding to, to my behavior. And so LinkedIn seems to be artificially boot, boosting them. Um, hmm. the po polls tend to perform really well, but I get put off them because often people don't know how to ask a good question or they give you a really poor answer set. And you don't you feel as though people are doing it just for the engagement, not because they're genuinely trying to get some customer survey information for their business. Um, mm -hmm. and so I, on that score, I tend to avoid them. But there's no doubt that they're getting good uh, visibility at the moment. LinkedIn doesn't like to promote two posts from the same author at the same time. So if you post one and it flies and you post another one straight afterwards, that one is basically going to bomb or much worse, it starts to take off and it and it it puts the brakes on the first thing. So it will not want to promote two things at the same time, which means that it's kind of like planting trees. You've got to you've got to give everything space to breathe. And only when something has visibility that's starting to go down or plateauing, then that's the time to post the next thing. So if you post something and you've got on schedule to post again in a couple of days time, but that first thing is still blowing up, mm -hmm. pause that other one. Don't, mm -hmm. don't put that in flight because it will just, it'll just kill the thing that was doing well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so you need to, you need to be a bit reactive. And so people who schedule all of their content don't get a chance to make that intelligent decision or, or maybe don't think to do that. And, and they miss out on visibility potential. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great Thanks point. So I I always try and shoot for like minimum three to four hours between posts as kind of like a guideline. Oh, what's, absolutely minimum, yes. What What's like the, and typically I just do like one per day um, and I take the weekends off too, but what, what would you say, like, have you, what's the longest you've ever gone if a post is doing really well and you're like, all right, I'm going to hold off on posting my content. Like what's the, what's the longest period of time that you could, because you typically post at least once a day, right? Well, I usually on average, I'm averaging five times a week, but I would never go more than a week without posting because I always do my Friday yeah. shout. So that's like I've been doing mm -hmm. that for three years. So that that's like every Friday that's pretty much guaranteed to go out at, at a minimum. Uh, very occasionally I won't post anything else all week, but that's really very occasionally indeed. Um, and yes, an absolute minimum of four hours. I'd say more like eight hours in between posts because otherwise wow. chances are that content isn't going to perform very well. I've got a buddy who, who posts three times a day and he does really well, but he's an exception. Uh, most people are not going to get traction if you do two posts a day. So I, I go easy on that. One a day max and you'll be fine. Okay. I think you just heard a big sigh of relief over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but when, you do, when you do post, it's a good idea to post enough to trigger the see more uh, link on, on, on posts because that, you know, LinkedIn can't tell the quality of your content. It has, it, it's AI is not good enough to, to determine the, the quality. So what it needs to do is use proxies to work out what the quality is. And one of those proxies is if it, if a, if a see more link is presented, and a high proportion of the people who loaded that content click it, there must be something of interest there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so any text-only post that goes beyond five lines or any other post that goes beyond three lines will trigger the creation of a see more link. And the number of clicks you get on that see more link 
it sends a strong signal to the LinkedIn algorithm about the strength of that content. So if you're a smart copywriter, you will, of course, prioritize line one because that is essentially your headline. But you will also prioritize line three or line five, depending on what kind of co content it is, because the lead in to that see more link could be the thing that makes people go, oh, I've got to click that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so think about it in terms of structuring a mini blog post where line one is important and line three or five is potentially very important as well. No, that's great. And then is it still um, stay away from external links in your posts? Uh, yeah, well, I, I tested this. Now, there was a change to the LinkedIn algorithm around April, May 2020, where they introduced something called dwell time, which you'll be aware of if you, you understand how Google works, where the more time people spend on page or it were focused on a given post, again, the, the higher quality that post is, is deemed to have. So, so long as you can get people staying on the post, you know, even if they click a link, that's still dwell, that's still given as dwell time for the post in general. And, and therefore links are, are, you can get away with using them much more than you could pre-May 2020, but you should include them only when, you know, they're highly relevant to the content being discussed. Given that you've now got 3,000 characters rather than 1,300, you've got enough space to actually write in the new blog posting. So if you can summarize the content and make it a native piece that, that doesn't send people anywhere, that's going to be the best user experience. So focus on that, I would say. Yeah, selfishly, my question was very selfish because I have a podcast <laughs> every week. And um, so every week I post on LinkedIn when the new episode is available. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm like, do I put the link in the comments? Do I put it in the post? You know, they need to go somewhere to listen to the. Yeah. Episode. So what I probably do with that one is I would, I would give a 20, 30 second teaser inside the, the, the post, maybe a video audiogram, and then probably put that link in the comments. That's probably what I do it for that because that, okay. that's the best of both worlds. It's a native feel, um, and, and that's more likely to get people to want to listen to the whole thing as long as you've got a good snippet. Yep. Okay. Great. Thank you. My question was answered. We can end the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hey, um, so so one thing, and you got I I honestly like I know we always say this half hour goes so fast, but I can't believe it's already been thirty minutes, John. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, can we always talk about, you know, what's something that people who are here today are watching this on replay, which, you know, hashtag replay, you guys, if you're seeing this later, what's something that people can do today to move forward with their LinkedIn? Okay, so get the most important bit of text right, which is the start of your LinkedIn headline. So link, LinkedIn okay. has said that about 59% of people view your LinkedIn profile on mobile. Right. That means that if someone is looking at your, one of your posts or looking at one of your comments, only the first 40 characters of your headline will be shown. That is your hook. You know, the whole headline is important, but the hook, the first 40 characters is super important because that could be the difference between someone going, what does that guy do? Let's check him out. Or eh, yeah. I'm not really interested. So people who start their headlines with I help ambitious professionals do. And you think, OK, dot, dot, dot. What? No idea that that's not yeah. differentiated so put your value proposition with an interesting spin in the first 40 characters not easy to do you might need to hire a copywriter to help you but if you can do that that could be the difference between people looking at your profile and not and if two percent of the people end up becoming customers you want to maximize the number of people who click through so that, that that's the number one thing you need to do awesome thank you so much you guys get those first 40 characters really tight really yeah specific um, and that value proposition right up front. 
Well, you know, if anybody, I'm sure everybody watching here too is like, oh my gosh, John, I want more. <laughs> so if you guys are like me, don't miss John's book. He wrote this incredible book, Content DNA, and it, there are all these gems and so many more in here. I learned so many things just within the first few chapters, and I am like, cannot wait to finish this thing this week. And rumor has it, John, that you have another book brewing too. So do you want to tell us really quick the title and when we can kind of anticipate that one? Yeah, so, so book two is going to be called Relentless, and it's going to be about how to be the most helpful person in your industry. I'm hoping to release that somewhere in the middle of 2022. Don't have a release date yet, but that's what I'm working to. Okay. Awesome. I love it. And if you guys are looking for, um, you know, short and sweet uh, LinkedIn expertise right to your inbox, John also has an, ex an espresso group. And I believe it's, it's like 200 characters or less, but it's great gems and it comes right to your inbox and it's super helpful as well. So make sure that you all, if you are not connected to John already, do it today. You will not regret it. You will learn so very much. I know I have. And um and as always, thank you so much for joining us for Power Hour this morning. We are so grateful for your time. We know that time is our biggest currency, our greatest currency. And the fact that you spent it with us is really something. So thank you so much for being here. And thanks so much, John, for your time this morning. You're very welcome. It's great to join you. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. John. Until thanks next everyone. week. Bye. Bye. See you then. <laughs>